From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. What's next for Texas's abortion law as the U.S. Supreme Court makes a ruling? And with the 2022 filing deadline on Monday, we'll take an early look at the primaries. This week, Julie Fine and Gromer Jeffers are joined by Texas House Democratic Caucus Chair Chris Turner and Republican political consultant Vinny Mincillo. The U.S. Supreme Court on Friday ruled that abortion providers in Texas can go ahead with a lawsuit challenging the state's abortion law, Senate Bill 8, which bans most abortions after six weeks. However, the court did not block enforcement of the law while the challenge plays out, so the law will stay in effect for now. Also Friday, the Supreme Court ruled that a separate suit filed by the Justice Department could not move forward. The Texas law allows private citizens to file lawsuits against anyone who helps a woman undergo the procedure. Chris Turner is the chair of the Texas House Democratic Caucus and represents an Arlington district. He joins Julian Gromer to discuss the court's ruling. Joining us this morning, Chris Turner, Texas House Democratic Caucus Chair and member of the House Committee on Redistricting and Higher Education. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Let's start with the ruling, your reaction. Well, as you say, it was a partial victory for opponents of the law, uh, such as myself. Um, however, it's unfortunate that the Supreme Court left uh, SB 8 uh, in place uh, while uh, the lawsuit proceeds forward that's been brought by uh, some of the abortion providers and healthcare providers in Texas. Um, this law is completely misguided. It's turning Texans against one another, essentially uh, empowering people to be uh, bounty hunters uh, to try to rat people out uh, who are seeking uh, healthcare that is still a constitutionally protected right. Uh, also, they can get a bounty of, of $10,000. Um, it's just a, a perverse uh, law that the Republicans passed uh, this past session, uh, and I believe it should be overturned. So what's next, uh, Representative Turner, then, uh, re related to that law? Going forward, what do you think the next steps are? Well, my understanding is is that the lawsuits brought by uh, some of the health care providers uh, in Texas uh, will be allowed to move forward under the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, and in fact, there, there was a, a separate case uh, last week uh, that uh, only affected a, a few people, uh, but uh, where a judge uh, ruled that the law was, was unenforceable. So, so I think you're going to continue to see uh, several legal challenges uh, move through the lower courts uh, on this issue. Um, and of course, um, the Supreme Court uh, a week ago, or now two weeks ago, uh, heard uh, the case from Mississippi. That, that really is a direct challenge uh, of Roe v. Wade. Uh, and uh, most people expect that the court will issue a ruling in that case uh, in, uh, by June, and, um, and, and that could have serious implications uh, for the future of, of protected uh, abortion rights in this country. And let's turn now to the federal government's lawsuit against the state of Texas over new congressional maps. Attorney General Merrick Garland says Texas redistricting plan violates the rights of Latino and black voters. Here's what Associate Attorney General Benita Gupta said this week. Texas will gain two new congressional seats because of its population growth, almost all of which is due to growth in the state's minority population. However, Texas has designed both of those new seats to have white voting majorities. 
In a statement, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton said, quote, the Department of Justice's absurd lawsuit against our state is the Biden administration's latest ploy to control Texas voters. I am confident that our legislature's redistricting decisions will be proven lawful and this preposterous attempt to sway democracy will fail. Your reaction to all of that, Chairman? Well, uh, several things. Um, when I think of a preposterous attempt to, to sway democracy, I think of Ken Paxton speaking at uh, Donald Trump's uh, insurrection on, on January 6. Uh, but to the matter of, of redistricting, um, the, the, the Department of Justice has it exactly right. Uh, Texas gained two new congressional seats because of our population growth. 95% of Texas population growth was communities of color, African-American, Hispanic, and, and Asian-American populations. Yet the Republicans uh, gave both new districts to majority Anglo communities. Uh, and further, as the Department of Justice laid out, they, they retrogressed uh, uh, Hispanic voting strength in, in other districts in the, both the congressional map and in the state house map. Uh, so I, I believe, uh, as, as we argued throughout the legislative process in Austin, that uh, the Republican redistricting plans uh, are discriminatory. Uh, I believe they're intentionally discriminatory because they knew what they were doing, because we told them. Uh, and uh, they don't fairly represent uh, the diverse population of Texas, which is a majority minority state. Uh, and and uh, both of the new congressional districts should have been minority opportunity districts. Uh, and, and we suggested a Latino opportunity district in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and a Latino district uh, in the Houston area, uh, in addition to the existing protected minority opportunity districts across the state. Representative, these, these issues, these cases tend to take a long time. Do you think the legal challenges will be done before the maps, the new maps, are, are take effect? March primary elections are, are up first in that regard. Yeah, well, Grummer, I think that remains to be seen. Um, the, last week, uh, the uh, El Paso uh, federal court that uh, has uh, had all of the, the redistricting lawsuits consolidated uh, before it, uh, held its first uh, scheduling uh, meeting or scheduling conference, uh, and uh, they've actually ordered some responses from the state uh, later this month with respect to Senate District 10 in Tarrant County. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think we'll learn more from that court in the days and weeks ahead what the schedule is going to be uh, as to hearing the, the substantive challenges to, to not only the Senate map, but also the House and the congressional map. So I think it's too soon to tell. There is certainly precedent uh, for courts moving quickly uh, in these instances and, um, and putting in interim maps uh, if, if necessary. That's what happened 10 years ago, uh, and uh, it's entirely possible that could happen again because, again, the, the, uh, the discrimination is, is so egregious in these maps, um, it certainly warrants them being thrown out. Uh, and an interim map being put in place. Now, the senators have said, and some representatives as well, that these maps are legal. Well, sure, that's what the that's what the Republican leadership maintained throughout the entire process. I think they said the same thing ten years ago, and then the court said no, they're they're not legal. Um, and 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 so you know when when you have uh, a state uh, like Texas that unfortunately has been found to have violated the Voting Rights Act really every decade since the Voting Rights Act has, has been in place uh, in its adoption of redistricting maps. And then, the, then they come back this time uh, with, with record minority population growth and do the same thing again. Not only do they 
uh, not give uh, new districts to majority minority uh, communities. Uh, they instead uh, uh, retrogress and, and, and take some opportunities away. Uh, and so uh, on its face, it's completely unfair. Um, you can see in, in numerous instances how minority communities are, are cracked apart, are packed together, both of which have the effect of diluting the voices of minority Texans. Uh, and that is not allowed under the Voting Rights Act. Um, and, and it should not be permitted to, to go forward uh, in, in Texas for the 2022 elections. Chairman Turner, the filing deadline for the Texas midterm elections next year is Monday. Former El Paso Representative Beto O'Rourke is at the top of, of the Democratic Party ticket and is run for governor. Uh, but what, what do you think about down ballot? Is the Democratic Party ticket strong enough to win in 2022? And I may point out, and I know you don't like this statistic, but Democrats haven't won a statewide race here in Texas since 1994. What makes next year any different? Well, I'm tremendously excited about Beto running for governor. Um, it's great that he's in the race and he's, he's energizing Democrats across the state. And, and he, he's, he's doing what he does, which is campaigning hard and going everywhere. Uh, and I think he's making a compelling case, not only to Democrats, but to independents and, and open-minded Republicans, uh, that it's time for a change because Greg Abbott is, is a failed governor uh, on, on any number of issues. Uh, you know, with respect to the rest of the ticket, you know, I think it's, uh, it, I think we're gonna have a strong ticket. It's, it's coming together. Um, I think you, you've seen some movement in the lieutenant governor's race. There may be some additional developments uh, there, I'm, I'm told, before uh, the filing uh, period closes. Uh, and we have, uh, I think, strong candidates in, in every statewide office. And, and I, I, would, I would add that uh, Republicans have tremendous challenges with their statewide ticket. Uh, you look at the agriculture commissioner, Sid Miller. Uh, he's, he's a laughing stock and he's an embarrassment to, to our state. Uh, Ken Paxton, who we've already talked about, um, has been indicted for multiple felonies, uh, is said to be under investigation by the FBI, and was present at the January 6th uh, insurrection. Uh, and, 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 and Dan Patrick, Lieutenant Governor, is so completely out of step uh, with, with Texans, uh, a well-funded uh, nominee against him, I think stands a very good chance against Dan Patrick. So the Republican ticket, um, I think, is historically weak. Uh, compared to uh, previous years, previous slights that they've had. Uh, and so I like uh, where we stand going into 2022. Chairman, before we let you go, in the short time we have left, in 2018, Democrats made a lot of gains. There was discussion in 2020 that the House could flip. The House did not flip. So what makes you think you'll have more success this year? Well, well you're exactly right. And look, uh, the Republicans uh, knew exactly what uh, uh, how much trouble they were in, which is one of the reasons, going back to redistricting, why they drew uh, such uh, discriminatory partisan maps, uh, because uh, they know that the voters of Texas are increasingly moving away from them. And so they sought to gerrymander these maps to enhance and preserve their power artificially as, as long as they can. Uh, so look, if these maps do remain uh, in effect, uh, if there's not some immediate relief from the court, clearly we're gonna have Republican majorities um, in, in the House and the Senate. Uh, next year. Uh, but uh, again, this state is, is changing. And even if these maps were to remain in place, uh, I'm confident that those majorities are going to erode steadily over the course of this decade. Uh, but I think in 2022, uh, the, the big headline race is going to be the race for governor. And Beto O'Rourke is going to run a strong campaign uh, against Greg Abbott. 
uh, who has let Texans down on the pandemic, has let Texans down on the grid, uh, has let Texans down on health care, where we have the most uninsured of any state in the nation. Uh, and, and Beto O'Rourke's going to hold him accountable. Um, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. The filing deadline to run for office in Texas is Monday, so we'll know then who is officially in the races for governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general. The latest news this week was that Matthew Dowd, a former aide to Republican President George W. Bush, would not seek the nomination for lieutenant governor as a Democrat. As a few Republicans prepare to challenge Governor Greg Abbott and Democrat Beto O'Rourke makes a gubernatorial run, Republican political consultant Vinnie Mancillo joins Julian Gromer to talk Decision 2022. After that, you'll hear our roundtable discussion on the latest in Texas politics. Here to talk about Decision 2022, Republican political consultant from Glasshouse Strategy, Vinnie Mancillo. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Let's start with Governor Abbott. He's seeking a third term and has several challengers in a primary. How do you expect that all to play out? I, I think in the primary, I think uh, Mr. Huffines and Mr. West are, are laboring under this false illusion they have a chance. Uh, I think this is, this is all over. Other than the Huffines campaign, I don't think anybody's even polling the primary. This is really Beto versus Abbott, and that's, that's, that's the way everybody's looking at this race. Is there, is there a danger in this primary, though, uh, with Huffines and West pushing Abbott too far to the right and then for the general election against O'Rourke, he has to, you know, try to get back closer to, to where Republican voters are, or is that not an issue? I, I, that's an absolute danger. I, I mean, I think, I think the Huffines brothers have put in some number of millions uh, into, the, into the campaign, and they're going to use that money to punch the governor in the nose. Um, and, and it's going to hurt. You know, they're going to really try to do what they can to, to hit him on a lot of the same issues that Beto's going to hit him on, the electric grid and things like that. So, uh, you know, the question is, how big a punch in the nose does he get and how much time can he go between March 1st and the general election to, to kind of put that back together? Well, and that also turns to money, too. Like, Governor Abbott right. has plenty of money, mm -hmm. but Beto O'Rourke has shown he can raise money. Well, look, uh, I think this, you, you know, I, I've heard the number, and I think, I think you wrote it, $200 million for the race. Uh, absolutely. I think it'll be $200 million spent in this race minimum. We're all going to be sick of it before this is, before Election Day. It's going to be huge. And, and one more thing on yeah. the uh, primary for governor, Republican primary, it's kind of unfortunate for West and Huffines, right, that all the oxygen in the room is focused on the O'Rourke-Abbott uh, matchup, correct? Right, right. And I mean, I think, you know, look, no disrespect, but Colonel West's race never launched. Uh, he never really raised any money. It was, it was, you know, kind of a kind of a crummy campaign, you know, from the very beginning. Um, Huffines, on the other hand, has you know put in a lot of money, and he's he's a serious uh, a serious campaigner and a serious candidate. But yeah, at this point, there's no more oxygen in the room, and you know, unless he comes up with another ten million dollars, I don't think Huffines is going to be able to really make much of it. Got those billboards, though. Yeah, he's, he's got seen, those billboards. Yeah. Let's turn to the attorney general's race. Ken Paxton facing several challengers in the primary. Is he in trouble? Ken Paxton? Oh, he's in, he's in enormous trouble now that Gomert is in the race. It has completely changed, changed it. Um, I was in D.C. last week. This is the race that everybody wants to talk about. Um, Gomert is a, is a terrific campaigner. He's going to be able to raise the money. Uh, he's, uh, he's certainly every bit as conservative as Paxton. But what the consultant class is looking at here is what's the power of a Trump 
nom uh, Trump endorsement in this kind of a race, where you have kind of a you know a damaged candidate in Paxton, but he has the Trump endorsement, going up against another candidate with very good conservative credentials in Gohmert. And then, and then you have other candidates too, other Republicans in the race. Well, as that's well. right, we do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is this is really bad news for Eva Guzman, who on paper is a terrific candidate, but really has not been able to put the money together. She's not going to be able to get the name ID. I wouldn't be surprised to see her maybe change races on Monday. To be honest. Yeah, and that's the former Supreme Court justice. You mm -hmm. have not mentioned. The land commissioner, the land George commissioner. P. Bush, how does he fit in to, with well, all of this? Well, maybe, maybe this is, you know, if you want to be really positive, maybe this is a little bit of an advantage over him. I think George P. was going to have a lot of problems once he broke voters off from Paxton, being able to pick them up because he's just not perceived as being conservative enough. So he's got to change his calculus a little bit. Maybe there's a path for him and say, okay, we'll let Gomert and Paxton fight over the really conservative voters, and maybe I can pick up enough moderates. Before we let you go, yeah. what influence does former President Trump have on all of these Republican primaries and the general? Well, I think it's tough. You know, in Virginia, we saw his, you know, we saw him him have some influence, but maybe not too much. Right. So, so I think this is going to be very, very interesting. I, I think he's not going to play in this AG's race. I think we're starting to see the power of his endorsement wane a little bit. Yeah. Well, he's officially endorsed Paxton and Abbott. We'll see what, what happens in the primaries with that. But, um, wow. We're looking forward to a big year. It should be a big midterm. The, the AG's race is going to be a back alley knife fight, and I cannot wait. All right. And it's going to be expensive, too. <laughs> very expensive. Gromer, first, I want to start with, you're back. You weren't here last week. And I then know. you were home for Thanksgiving, and I was home for Thanksgiving yeah. before that. So how was your holiday? It was great. You know, I, I didn't think I was going to get out of here because, if you remember, we had a rash of news right up to Thanksgiving. Eddie Bernice Johnson retiring, and then um, Jasmine Crockett, the state rep, and others filing for that seat, and EBJ's endorsement, and just a bunch of stuff before Thanksgiving, if you remember. It was, yeah, it was, a, it was crazy. a lot. So, and uh, per tradition though, I always fly out on Thanksgiving day to wherever I'm going. So no, you know, smooth going there. So, well, so I fly out generally the weekend before. And then- How was it this time? It was fine. Uh, it was fine. I was there in plan. Now I get to the airport. I've learned this from photographers because when photographers travel, they bring so much stuff. I now pretty much get there two meals before my flight. Like I'm, I'm a two hours ahead of time person. So I had plenty of time. Um, and then I flew back the Friday after Thanksgiving and it was, it was wonderful. No problems. Yeah. yeah. The only, I guess the only bad part about your past two weeks have been, and this is another topic, the Buffalo Bills, but we'll talk about well, that. Well, they won so, on Thanksgiving. They that, beat the that Saints. That was great. And I, they look good. But then it kind of uh, went. I mean, here, here's my feeling, and I, I hate. I mean, I love my football team, I, but I am a realist. They beat a lot of teams early that were decent football teams, but we're seeing. I mean, the Patriots, first of all, if you can throw for 19 yards and win a game, <laughs> three passes, three all, pass you attempts, you deserve to win the game. <laughs> you deserve to win the game. Yeah, so, for, for folks who don't know, you're a Buffalo girl, so yes. You know, if, you, if you've ever listened right. to this show, that yeah. you know, right. and um, as you know, Gromer loves the Chicago Cubs, yeah, so we'll so be heading exactly. into that at some point. Yeah, but but Grom's are getting busy again. Um, well, we, I say busy again, but we never stop being busy. It never stops. 
it used to be, as you know, the summer you can kind of, you know, after the session, the summer, right, you could kind of take a break before filing period and all of that, but there are no breaks in politics anymore. It's just nonstop. And you kind of have to force yourself to stop, right, Julie? You got to, you know. Yeah, you have to, You at some point, like, you have to turn right. off your computer. But here we are again with another sort of launch point, and that's the filing deadline, which is December 13th, tomorrow, Monday. I'm not expecting any huge surprises that we haven't heard anything about, but every time I say that, Monday, the filing deadline just smacks me in the face. Right. You know, it's like. Yeah. Well, what we do know is that the the feel for governor should be kind of set on the democratic side better o'rourke he has light competition uh but not not serious major competition so he should be the nominee on that side and then greg abbott uh has uh several opponents two of note uh former state senator donald huffines and uh, Colonel Allen West, the former Texas GOP party chair and Florida congressman. So we'll see how that goes. But as you know, Julie, uh, Beto and, and, and Abbott, have been, they've been running against each other already. Oh, that, they're, they, they really are. That's, yeah. I mean, I understand, and Governor Abbott has the primary. I think he's paying attention to that. But uh, he and uh, he and uh, Representative O'Rourke yeah. are already pretty much going head to head. How about the AG race? Wow. That's something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the uh the race that most of the people around the country are watching. Uh the incumbent on the Republican side, Ken Paxson, is in a primary with uh Eva Guzman, the uh former Supreme Court justice, George P. Bush, the Texas Land Commissioner, and out of nowhere, Louis Gomer, the the congressman from Tyler. And Paxson is in battle. He's under securities fraud indictments since 2015. That trial hasn't occurred. And he's under investigation by the FBI on several uh, public corruption allegations. He's denied, uh, he, he's denied any wrongdoing. But uh, that's what makes the race interesting is can he convince voters to put aside his legal problems, which they have in the past, right, and vote for him when you have um, these challengers out there. So, and he has, right, Julie, the endorsement of President, a uh, former President, President Trump. Well, it'll be Trump. interesting to see how, <clears throat> and we talked about this a little bit on the show, where former President Trump plays into all of this. Now, Vinny Manchillo says that he doesn't think in the AG's race that he plays into this this heavily. I mean, I think we saw with Glenn Youngkin how it was handled in Virginia. It's just going to be very interesting to see, especially if. I mean, we don't even know what the former president's future plans are. Yeah, in a low turnout election, it's hard to tell. But remember this. Remember Susan Wright in that congressional race to replace her late husband, uh, uh, Ron Wright, a friend of the show, by the way. Ron Wright was yeah. very— He came in all the time, and yeah, he was, and was very, very nice and, and so and, positive. Yeah. So, I mean, positive after he was diagnosed with cancer. Right. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, she really touted the endorsement of the former president. And I'm not sure how that affected her. Right, because Jake Elsey won that race. Uh, fairly uh, handily. Fairly handily. He, he was a freshman uh, lawmaker in the Texas legislature. Uh, and he did it with, with a kind of low-key dignity 
that I think helped him in that race because he didn't bash Trump or anybody else. He just kept his head down and he ran and he, he won that race. So I think in the AG's race, you're going to have to have a similar kind of attitude. Like I respect the former president, but you know, these are the issues of, of this race and this is what I have to do. But I don't know what, what candidate will stand out. Is it George P? Is it Louis Gohmert as Benny Manchillo seems to think? Uh, is it uh, Justice Guzman? I don't know uh, how that plays out, who makes the runoff. So, Gromer, before I let you go, how's your shopping going? Well, I, you know, it's hit or miss. It's it's going okay. I got your gift, by I the way. I got yours. So that's the positive part about it. But, yeah, as we talked about this before, since I was a little kid, I've been trying to opt out of Christmas and, I, and people won't just won't let me do it. So, uh, but Romer I, I feels like it's too much about gifts. Yes, and so he's trying to, he's tried to opt out of Christmas. His family would not let him opt right. out of Christmas. <laughs> exactly. We do not let him opt out of the holidays. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But Hey, Julie, yes. it, it's kind of a, a, a sad day. Because somebody has his swan song. I know. We're losing our podcast producer, Chris. But we're yeah. very proud of him because he's moving on. And um, we will miss you, Chris. Tell us about it, Chris. Where are you going, man? Thank you, guys. Um, I feel like I can talk about it because it's a media partner of NBC5. I'm going to KRLD. Um, so still here in Dallas and going to get to do more with podcasts over there. So uh, kind of continuing in this direction that we started with uh, here at NBC5. Was it us who drove you away? You two specifically. <laughs> in, when my boss asked me, she was like, why are you? I was like, Julian Gromer. That's the sole reason for taking the job. Well, we will miss you. Yeah, they, um, we they, will miss you, but we're glad we've had you for this period of time. And um, Yeah, you helped. Uh, you launched it. So long. You're the reason why we're in this jazzy little room. Here. Yeah, it is Although jazzy. Although... Where's where, where the, the decorations? Right. We didn't. He's get, he's we never out. got that far. <laughs> he's, he's, he's getting out without the decorations. We've got, we've got all these. Um, we've got the football. Sorry. Helmets, right. That's okay. You yeah. know, we do the fo we do a football podcast in here as well, and those helmets just kind of appeared. I think uh, someone took it upon themselves to go on Amazon and just order a bunch of helmets. That's interesting because um, now we'll be maybe I'll get some bobbleheads yeah. in here. I've got some political bobbleheads around. All right, Chris, we will miss you. Um, thank you so much for everything you've done. Thank you, guys, right. and uh, happy holidays. Thanks to Representative Chris Turner and Vinny Minchillo for joining the show this week. As Julian Gromer mentioned, this is my last podcast at NBC5. The podcast version of the show will take a short hiatus, but you can still keep up with Lone Star Politics on TV at NBCDFW.com, and on the NBC5 app on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire. Thanks for listening, and happy holidays.